Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. Loved hearing those uh, children as they uh, just led us uh, in worship this morning and so grateful uh, for each of you being here, thankful to be uh, gathering as God's people, uh, thankful that we can declare together that it is well uh, with our soul, right in the midst of uh, crazy times and in the midst of a world that uh, sometimes seems like it's gone crazy, right, that we can know uh, that it is well with our soul, that our, uh, that our life is hidden with Christ in God. And when He, and when he is revealed, boy, I'm expecting of that day as Maggie Son, so too will we be revealed with him in glory. That is hard for my mind to even grasp. I uh, was handed a bracelet this morning. Jim and Cindy Schick had uh, left some of those in the center, and they say, wait, watch, and pray. And I thought, man, isn't that perfect for, you know, we're hearing a lot about a lot of other things that we're supposed to remember, but as followers of Jesus Christ, may we wait, uh, watch, and pray. You know, we've been walking through the book of James. If you want to take your copy of God's Word, we're going to be in James chapter 5 for maybe the last time uh, for uh, this week, we are going to finish uh, this week uh, as we've been walking through James. Someone told me last week when they looked at the passage and saw about four verses left, they said, well, we're probably going to have at least one more week, right? So there's a lot in there, and and I'm excited to, to kind of land that plane. But as we've been walking through this uh, fifth chapter uh, of James, and, and we've been just seeing this encouragement to wait patiently upon uh, the Lord's return, and we've been encouraged to wait with grace, and really that has been the theme of these uh, last few weeks and really a, a bit of a, a series that we've been in that we might wait with grace, that we might wait patiently, expectantly at the Lord's return and that we may be found faithful uh, in those moments. We're going to be uh, picking up in verse 19 uh, and 20 uh, this morning and I want to read those and we're going to pray together and then we're just going to jump in. So um, let's read those together. My brethren, If any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful, Lord, that in the midst of, God, this world that you've allowed us to be a part of your family, Lord, and that you've called us together uh, in this place, God, and, and God, you've called us together as this local expression of the body of Christ that is called Cowie, Lord, and we are so grateful for each person. Lord, I pray, God, that in a world that is declaring often that we are in this together, Lord, I pray as we look at the last, God, just a few verses of the book of James, Lord, that we would see this reality, Lord, that even when it comes to dealing with God, this sin problem that we have, Lord, even when it comes to, God, the process that you are using to conform us to the image of your Son, Lord, as you transform us, uh, God, from the inside out, Lord, that you use each of us to be part of that process, Lord, that we truly are in this together as your people. God, called out according, uh, God, to your word and God, on mission for the glory of your name. Lord, I pray, God, that you will help us, God, to be a people that pursue holiness, God, a people that desire, God, to live for you with all of our hearts, with all of our lives, Lord, that we might be found faithful 
on your return. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Lord, we ask you to bless our time together. Lord, we pray if there's anyone that God has never uh, been born again into the family of God, Lord, that this morning, God, that you might call them from death to life, Lord, that you might save them, that you might transform them, Lord. And we pray and ask all these things, Lord, in the strong and the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You know, I've heard that statement a lot. I've seen it a lot. And I heard a little story. Someone sent me some stories. I always love that. People find uh, little humorous stories and send them to me. And I love uh, little funny stories. But, but these, uh, uh, this one church had gotten in some financial trouble. They were replacing a roof on their building and run just a bit short uh, of the funds to accomplish that. And uh, it was kind of being a, just a tough week on the pastor that same week. Uh, one of his musicians, the pianist that was supposed to play, had... Uh, decided that she was going a different direction, and so he was left without a pianist, and they'd called in and had a substitute, and she had gotten there just a little bit late that morning, and so they're all, uh, it's just kind of a tough morning. He's pretty preoccupied with a lot of his thoughts, and she comes in, and she says, can you explain to me kind of what I need to do? And so they began to connect back and forth, and he said, well, you're going to play here, and here's the song here, and said, I- I've got to give this uh, this uh, uh, kind of a-, a little talk about where we're at on this financial situation, and, and you'll need to pick something to play right after I do that. And so he kind of goes on about uh, his business there. And so during the service, the minister pauses and he says, brothers and sisters, he says, it's a uh, a difficult time. And he said, we're in a difficult place. The roof repairs are, are, are twice as much as we thought they were going to be. He said, we're going to need uh, maybe about $10,000 more than what we had originally thought. And he said, if you're here and you could pledge at least $100, he said, would you um, stand up? And at that moment, uh, the pianist began to play the Star Spangled Banner. And and they were in that together, right? But I thought it was kind of neat because, you know, the, she also became the, the new pianist uh, after that. She did really good. But, you know, I hear that statement a lot, and it can mean a lot of different things. It's been used, you know, to say and give this kind of idea that as we've been walking through this uh, pandemic, as we've been walking through this coronavirus, that it's something that's impacting all of a nation and all the world, and just that we're in this together. We're going through something together. Sometimes corporations have used it to kind of say, hey, you know what, just keep buying our stuff because we're, uh, we're in this together. It means a lot of different things. And we got to be careful the slogans that we carry. And we say as a church that we're better together. And I like that a lot better. But as we walk through this today, even when it comes to walking and navigating difficult moments in our Christian walk, we're called as the body of Christ to be in this together. You know, we, as I shared earlier, we're going to be finishing the book of James, and James has been a challenging book to me. When I first read it uh, many years ago, uh, I was a, a young Christian. As I read this book, it, it challenged my heart and really convicted my heart in ways that were maybe more impactful than any uh, than any book of Scripture. And when I read it, it just really convicted me. You know, I, there needs to be. Uh, evidence of this faith that I have, that, that, that authentic faith produces works, it produces action, and James is all about that. You know, we started in chapter 1, and we saw this picture of, of these trails, uh, of these trials that we are walking through at times, and these things that we face, that these trials are trails to make us complete in Christ. He goes on, and he gives us this picture of this transformed tongue uh, he, he gets on our tongue, and we all can relate to having struggles sometimes in our tongues. And he, he says this transformed tongue, it's an evidence of a transformed life, a life that's been transformed by 
Christ. In chapter 2, we saw that there's really no room for favoritism among the people of God, right? That there's uh, no, uh, no room for that. That faith without works is dead. Then in chapter 3, he gets back in the tongue again. He's like, I know y'all probably need to hear this again, even though uh, it was there. We hear about the source of conflicts that are uh, among us. We, we see that God resists the proud, right? This should be something that we continually remember, that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Man, I want to be those that are receiving the grace, right? That he gives us this picture. Remember, we were going to slow down in the fog. We said this, this whole season kind of looked like a fog, and James said that our life really is like a fog, like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Then we've looked at this. We looked at the wicked rich and, and the judgment that's coming there and just the, those that were being persecuted. And he says that there's a time coming, right, that the Lord is going to return and all things are going to be made right. And there's this call to prayer. And that's where we've been in this last few weeks is just this real call to prayer. As James says, hey, we need to be praying when we're, uh, when we're sick, right? When we're, when we're suffering, he says pray. When we're, uh, when we're cheerful, we praise him. When we're, uh, when we're sick, and there's this uh, passage where it says we call upon the elders of the church, and so there's this picture that we looked at in there. But then he ends this passage in kind of an unusual way to me. It's kind of a different ending than maybe I would have expected, and he says confess your sins one to another. And then he talks about this, this effective prayer of a righteous man, that it accomplishes much, that we confess our sin to one another, that we pray for one another. He gives us this example of Elijah. We look at all those things. And then in verse 19, he says, my brethren, if any of you strays from the truth and one turns him back, and I want to point out this first piece of this. He says, my brethren. So he gives this picture of uh, the, the family of God, right? My brothers or my brethren. We see that eight times as we walk through uh, the book of James. And he says, if, if any among you, so he says, my brethren, he, he identifies who he's talking to. And then he says, if any among you, any of you that are part of this faith community, he says, if there's any among you that strays from the truth. Now, this word stray, we think about it. When I think about the word stray, I think about a stray dog that maybe has gotten in a place that's far from home. Maybe he's uh, not uh, so far from home. And sometimes you'll see those pictures, right, on Facebook where it's like, hey, my dog, uh, especially after the 4th of July, right, you'll see like fireworks are going off and you'll find out that dogs are kind of missing everywhere, that they got scared and they ran. And, and a lot of times you'll see this picture of Fluffy uh, and he's gone down uh, the road and he's missing and they're trying to find him and and uh, it looks you know still obviously when you see that dog he's got his cute little collar on and the things are all there and he doesn't look like a stray right but the longer that he's out by himself and the longer that he's wandering the worse that he looks and I'm convinced that that's true in the body of Christ that's true uh, for us as well. And so there's this picture of wandering away. If you look up the word stray, uh, just in our dictionary, it would say deviate from the direct course or to leave the proper place or go beyond the proper limits in the sense that it's used in this passage. It gives us this picture uh, of a disbelief that maybe is gradual or slowly, right? This, this picture of being uh, straying from a direct or proper course. And, and as we read this passage, it says, if there's any among you that stray from something, and, and what the word that's used there, it says that strays from the truth. And I want to just remind you this morning that in the midst of a world where it seems like uh, this is debated so much that there is truth. 
It's interesting. I read a statistic that three out of four Americans, three out of four Americans say that there is no such thing as absolute truth. Isn't that crazy to think that three out of four Americans, and that's really the culture that we live in. We live in this culture that says, you know, you can think what you want to think, and you can believe what you want to believe, and it can be true for you, and what I believe can be true for me, and those can be completely different things and both be true, (laughs) but we all know that's False, right? That's crazy. So I want you to do something before we close your eyes for just a second. Whether you're in your cars, whether you're in the seats, I want you to do me just a quick favor. I want you to close your eyes for just a second. I want you to take uh, your, your, your right hand and I want you to point toward north, okay? So I want to just see where we land here. If everybody will just point toward north, okay? So everybody just wherever you believe north is, if you'll point that direction, uh, that will be very helpful, All right, let me just kind of see. Lots of hands are pointing, uh, and many of them are pointing in the same direction. You can can open your eyes and look around. Some are like, I'm not participating in this game. Uh, Some of you are going a couple of different directions. Ernie and Becky are trying to decide which one's right, right? They're looking at. But we we look at that, and and sometimes there's a lot, and and it's kind of easy for us in some ways here. We're, We're on Highway 28 North. We think about the direction that we're going, but sometimes we can be disoriented. Sometimes we can wonder what direction that is. But the reality is, no matter where any of us believed north was, there is a way that is north. And there is a, and, and some of you are still kind of trying to des- describe that and figure that out. I'm not going to tell you. You can, you can look in your, uh, even in your apps on your phone now, there's a compass, right? So you can find out. And we have a compass that can point us to north. So if you want to figure out where north is, then maybe some of your cars even, maybe some of those that were in driving church, they had an advantage because on their dash, there was a thing that said north, right? So you had a, a direction that they were going. But the reality is that, that we have a compass, right, that is pointing us, that allows us to see. And there's a lot of people in our world that, that really do believe that no matter what they believe, that, it, that, that there can be multiple truths, that there's really no absolute truth. Some, some of us might say things like, you know, Reese's Cups is the world's greatest candy, Right? Is that an absolute truth or? Yeah, amen. Praise the Lord. Um, all the saved people just were quick to know that. No, I'm just kidding. But but I love Reese's Cups, right? So I can say that statement, but that statement might not be true for you. It's a subjective type thing. But but when we deal with morality and, and, and sin, we live in a culture that has defined that as so many different ways. Focus on the family article I read this week said the motto of our day, and I really love this thought I was looking and just reading about truth and absolute truth. And I love uh, Sean McDowell, who sometimes speaks into those kind of things, an apologist that uh, if you have our Right Now Media subscription, there's a lot of things that he does on there. Just really, uh, just some neat uh, neat truths that, that shared there. But, but I was reading this Focus on the Family article, and, and it said the motto of our day is whatever. And I, I guess that, you know, that's kind of true when we think about it. A lot of people think that way. Believe what you want. Do what you want. Live for whatever brings you pleasure, right? This should sound familiar to people that are living in this culture, right? Live for whatever brings you pleasure, and as long as it doesn't hurt someone else, then really there's no big deal. And, and, and the role that everyone else should play in the midst of that is that we should be tolerant of one another. Now, in the old times, the tolerant meant, okay, we'll be able to hang out together or be around each other and, and get along and not be. But in the, in the culture of today, if we're not celebrating sin, right, if we're not celebrating the things that other people may uh, feel like is okay or, you know, if we're not 
celebrating those kind of things, then we're defined as people who are intolerant because the world doesn't want us to tell anyone that their whatever is wrong. And the whatever mentality of this world, I believe, has also infiltrated the church in many ways. And it's made uh, believers read verses like we read today that says, you know what, if someone from among you strays from the truth, right, and it gives us this picture that there's a possibility, there's a way that people that are among us that we can get, uh, that we can stray from the truth. And we hear those kind of things and it makes us respond in a similar way. Well, whatever, maybe that applied to the folks James was writing to, but surely that doesn't apply to me today. Does that really apply to me in this moment? Now, we're in the midst of a passage uh, that has been just focused on prayer, and this is not uh, of a picture of some type of holier-than-thou uh, confrontation, right? This is not something that's simply for the elders. We saw kind of the transition of that, right? He said, if someone among you is sick, let him call for the elders uh, of the church, and they're to come to him. So there's a picture of that. But then he says, my brethren, he says, confess your sin one to another. We see this kind of picture uh, of, uh, of him speaking to the church. So this is not a picture of uh, just the elders. This is a, a call that James gives gives to the body of Christ to be praying for, first of all, those believers or those people that are among them that are wandering, and then not only to pray for them, and I always encourage folks, and I always try to uh, examine my heart in this, but when we commit to pray for someone, I, I believe that we as, uh, as the hands and feet of Christ, as the body of Christ, should be willing to be part of the answer to those prayers. So we see this call to be praying for uh, someone that is in the midst of this, that may be wondering and, and being willing to be part of uh, the answer to that. Now, how many people have heard in some kind of medical term that early detection is the key? Has anybody heard that said? But we hear that all the time, right? That's a common thing. And we hear that when it comes to, hey, early signs of a heart attack. They start feeling a certain way. You start doing this. We see uh, people that may have uh, cancer or maybe walking through uh, some type of sickness. And what we see is that there's all these things that should be taking place that prevent that from being uh, something that gets so far ahead that it becomes very, very difficult to deal with. I had an aunt that died at a very young age from colon cancer. And I, I remember in those moments, it was a disease that, that was a sickness that was maybe easily prevented if it was caught in time. And there were things that were taking place in her body and things that she was facing and dealing with. And she kind of said, well, it's probably not anything to worry about. And we all do that, right? We all have that tendency when we have something going on or we, you know, we really don't. Sometimes if the truth was, it's almost like we just don't really want to know. I don't know why that is, but just part of our makeup, we, we're almost like, you know, I know that this is kind of bothering me. I don't really want to go to the doctor. I don't want to do this. don't want to do that. We kind of have those moments, but I thought about that a lot during her sickness and, and toward the, the end of her time as she was just connecting and, and encouraging relationships. It was, it was evident to see what was important in life was relationships. But I couldn't help but think, what would have happened if she had done something different, right? And we know God's sovereign over all those kind of things, but, we, but I couldn't help but think, what, what could have changed, right, in her situation if she had been willing to go earlier? Now, 
Truth is, when we figure out something's wrong or when we detect something early, doesn't always mean that it's fun to deal with. Doesn't always mean that it's easy to deal with. But it can mean that the consequences and the dynamics of how it's dealt with are much, much easier. So I want to encourage you as we think about uh, just walking with other believers and being part of the body of Christ as people, whether it be us or others that may wonder uh, as we walk, how do we tell if someone is wondering, right? How do we do that? And we want to look for early signs of people wondering because I believe that with sin, the earlier that we can engage in uh, walking with someone in that, the easier that is, right? But I also want to remind you that it's never too late, that we have a God of grace and mercy, and that his mercies are new every morning. So it's not an excuse to say, well, this person's too far gone because there's no one that is too far gone from the grasp of our great God. So how do we tell someone's wondering? Maybe they're, maybe they're disconnecting from the body of Christ. Maybe, uh, maybe they used to be a part of the assembly of believers. And this is a weird time for that, right? Because there's been so many things have changed about the way we gather. But uh, maybe we just check in on them. Maybe you're a student and school's starting back. We're seeing those kind of things. And maybe, maybe some of your friends are, are going uh, places. Instead of going to youth group on Wednesday night, they're going to a party over here. Or they're doing uh, different things, things that you know are dangerous. There's all kinds of things. And we know, right, we, we, we can identify those things and, we can, and the Spirit of God can reveal to us those things when we see uh, people that might be wondering. But I want to go back to James chapter 1. And, and when we were walking through that, verse 13, James gives us a, a picture of the progression of sin. So I think that's the perfect place for us to just look at God's Word. It says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away. Let's, let's look at this. When he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. So he gives this picture. He says, listen, it, every sin begins with our own lust. Right? He says that, that each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own Lust. Can I tell you, every sin begins with the seed of temptation in our own mind. It begins with this thought that, that, that begins in our mind, and we begin to consider these kind of things. We begin to think this, this cycle of sin. We see this thought that as it's left long enough, it becomes something that we maybe even believe, right? There's this desire that we have or this lust that we have. So sin says, hey, I want this. And then uh, there's this deception that takes place. James says, be careful not to be deceived because in this deception, we're going to justify things. And, and there's going to be lies that somehow we may even even believe in the midst of this and whatever thoughts that we allow, right? I love the scripture where it says that we're to take every thought captive, right? That uh, I, I love in Colossians 3, we were reading that or we were quoting that earlier, but in Colossians 3, it says, set your mind on things above. But whatever thoughts that we allow to grow in our minds, that we allow uh, to do that in the field of our minds, that they uh, can take root, right? And Satan loves nothing more than to fuel those things. And there's this, there's this desire that's there for something. And then there's this deception that takes place in the midst of that. And we believe the lies of this world, lies that say, you know what? No one will know, right? If and some of you young people, maybe some of you older people, maybe you can remember moments where you're saying that, you know, you're considering something and you're tempted by something and you say, you know what, maybe this one time it's not going to make a difference. You know, next week we're going to have 
the guys from Team Challenge with us had the blessing of, of speaking there uh, this past Monday and uh, just saw God working and moving. We were looking at, at just uh, having them come and share uh, on uh, just a little season right when the coronavirus hit. And so I uh, was super excited that they're able to kind of get back out and do some of those things. And so they're going to be with us next week. But I, I can imagine that uh, many, many people that uh, have ended up in the the, the, the the holds of addiction and have walked through something. There's been a moment where someone has said only this one time, right? There's been a moment where that lie has been believed, where a lie that says, hey, you know what? No one will know. No one will know. It, I, I won't hurt them. Maybe there's a situation where uh, someone would be looking at, and maybe there's a, a, a marital trouble that's happening in their home, or maybe they're, they're spouse and they're not getting along well, whatever those kind of things are. And all of a sudden, someone else has began to pay attention to them at their workplace or there begins to be something there. And they're saying, you know what? Uh, I, I deserve this. I mean, God, can, can I tell you something? Sometimes I've heard people say, you know what? God would not want me to be unhappy, right? Maybe they're in the midst of a difficult spot in their marriage, maybe they're in a difficult spot in their life in some direction. And they've said, you know what? There's no way that God would want me to be unhappy. And, and I want to just tell you that I believe with all my heart that God will allow us to be unhappy uh, for a moment because he is working on us. His, his pursuit and what he's doing in our life is not uh, as concerned with making us happy in every moment, but making us holy and making us look like Christ. And yes, I believe that there are difficult seasons that we may go through that may be difficult, but that God is still at work in those. And just because we are unhappy in a moment because of sin or because of difficult situations in our life doesn't change the truth. Because, see, that's what the enemy wants to believe, that because of the way I feel in this moment or because of this situation that's there, that somehow the truth has changed. Maybe somebody says, hey, you know what? I, I can always ask for forgiveness later, and when we've truly experienced God's grace, that's not our way of responding. Maybe one of the biggest lies is that it's not that big a deal. Whatever. Maybe we embrace this culture's mentality that says, whatever. Maybe we embrace this thought that this holy God is not offended. But we see the very wrath of God poured out on Jesus because of sin. And we are to set our mind on things above. We're to walk in a different way? How do we come alongside someone that may be straying? And we should desire and hope that someone will come alongside of us if we're ever in that place. And when we see, sometimes people may remember a situation where we've looked back and we said, you know what? I saw someone going that, that direction and I knew it was coming. Some of you can probably think of a moment like that right now. And you thought, you know what? I, I knew that was coming. And the reality is that we should have done something. How do we come alongside someone who has wandered? And I want to give you just three quick statements, and we're going to look a little further. But the first thing is we want to pray for that person, right? This comes right in the midst of this picture of us praying for one another, right? We want to pray for that person. We want to put ourselves in a posture of humility, right? We want to posture ourselves in humility. So we want to pray for that person. We want to engage in spiritual warfare for them. God, I pray, Lord, that you'll, I, you've allowed me to recognize this situation. We want to pray for that person. We want to posture ourselves in humility. Remember, God uh, opposes the proud, gives grace uh, to the humble. We want, to, we want to come in that way, and we want to point to the true north of God's Word, right? We, want to, we don't want to point to this is what I think, this is what I see, and you know, this is not those kind of things. This is not we, uh, you know, I believe this, I believe that. This is the same 
saith the word of God, right? This is, uh, I see a place maybe that I'm concerned about and I'm approaching you in humility and love and I see this situation in your life and I'm afraid and I just want you to know that I've been praying for you and, 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 and I want to walk with you in the midst of this and we want to point to God's word. Galatians 6, the Apostle Paul gives similar instruction. Verse 1 and 2, he says, Brethren, if anyone... He says, brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourselves so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. So a lot of times we read that passage and then we automatically want to check out, right? We automatically want to say, you know what? It says, brethren, you who are spiritual, and we, Satan wants to whisper another lie into the lives of believers and say, you know what? He's talking about the elite. He's talking about somebody else. He's talking about uh, other people, but Paul says, anyone, those of you who are spiritual, those of you who have the Spirit of God, those of you who have been transformed by His grace, right? He says, listen, we restore such one in the spirit of gentleness. So it gives us directions in the midst of this. It gives us directions in the way that we are to approach someone. It says, a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to our own self, recognizing that we too can stumble, that we too can face temptation, that we too can strain. He says, bear one another's burdens. He says, whoever turns him back, maybe they've wandered from the body. Maybe someone you know, maybe in your family or maybe in, you know, maybe in this church, someone that used to be in your Sunday school class, someone that was there, maybe they've wandered from his word. Maybe they've wandered from the body. Maybe you recognize this situation. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe it's you. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, you know what? Maybe you're watching online and you say, you know what? I feel like I've strayed from the truth. You know, we live in a world that says all these things are, are good and okay, and maybe you find yourself believing the lies of the world, and the Spirit of God is convicting your heart. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Don't you love the words of that song? It says, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Maybe you're here and, and maybe you're straying and wondering. Maybe you find yourself in the beginning stages of sin where there's a desire that's not holy. There's a desire that's not from God, that's against the truth. There's a desire that, that has been cultivating in your mind. And, and in the midst of this, there's a, a blessing in this morning that says, you know what, you need to come home, right? That there's a, a time right, that, that you can turn back from that. James 5 verse 20 says, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Said, turns him from the error of his way. Right? Our way by nature is rebellion towards God. To the truth. He says, we're going to turn him to the truth, to the way of Scripture, because the truth is there's a way that seems right to a man. There's times that we can be blinded by the, the desires and, and we've allowed things to grow into a place that that we're even believing those lies, but Scripture says the end thereof is death. Now, here's the part that I really want us to catch because the reality is when we come together and when we are part of the body of Christ, that we are united together as called out ones in a spiritual battle and we are in the midst of a culture where there is a war against truth, right? Where, where it's this whatever culture. It's this whatever dynamic. But we as followers of Jesus Christ recognize that there is 
truth. That it's in God's word that we find the truth. It is revealed to us in his word. It is revealed to us through his spirit. It is revealed to us. And when we are born again into the family of God, so if we are here this morning as the people of God, as those that have been born again, those that have been saved by his grace, not because of anything we've done, not based on earning it, not anything that we've done, but by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that we've been born again into the family of God, we are part of the family of God. And as part of the family of God, and we are committed to coming together as God's people and to living according to his truth. But is anybody here sinless? Right? We, probably nobody's going to raise their hand when it comes to that. It says if any of you stray, it's possible to stray. But if we're saved, Scripture says that he who began a good work in us will see it through into the completion, to the day of completion in Christ Jesus. God is changing us. What's true of us Positionally, as we talked about last week, when we surrender our lives to Christ, when we are saved, what's true of us positionally, that we're made right with the Holy God, that we are, are then those that, that what's true of us positionally is being fleshed out and being made true practically as God uses all kinds of things, including one another, to conform us to his image. Practically, sometimes it doesn't seem like it's happening as fast as we would like it to. You know, I'm thankful that he's still working on me. I'm thankful that he is not finished with that work. The second possibility, though, is this, that everyone who calls themselves a Christian is not a Christian. Scripture says that we would know them by their fruits. 1 John 2 says this in verse 19. It says, they went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they that went out, but they went out so that it would be shown that they are not all of us. See, the reality of our faith, the reality of whether or not we are in the faith is not simply based on a profession of faith that we declare ourselves and that we say, hey, I'm a Christian. I repeated a prayer when I was in vacation Bible school as a child, or I did this or that. When we uh, look at those kind of things, the reality of our faith is not uh, in the words of, of our profession of faith, but the possession of our faith results in the perseverance of the faith, right? That we see that, that God is uh, working, right? And, and that we those of us who possess faith, that that faith will persevere. Matthew 7 says this in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me, and I believe this is the most like scary passage in all the Scripture, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And that's, and I can't imagine, but then I can. It's like I can't imagine standing before the very throne of heaven and being told those words, but I'm reminded that that was exactly who I was. August 12th, which just passed, and it reminded me um, just as it was the anniversary date of Sherry and I's wreck, I'm reminded that if I died that day, I would have busted hell wide open. 
that I was apart from Christ. I'd repeated a prayer as a child in a vacation Bible school when somebody had uh, shared a message. And basically what I heard is, if you don't want to go to hell, come forward, right? And in the midst of those moments, that was my response. I repeated some type of prayer and never had any change in my life. There was nothing uh, that was transformed, nothing that was changed. And I would have been a Matthew 7 person that would have stood before a holy God and he would have said, depart from me. I never knew you. And on December 27th of 2002, I heard the message of the gospel preached in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, said, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, that old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And there was a statement that just wrecked into the depth of my soul. And it said, if there's been no change, then there is no Christ. And I felt the Spirit of God convicting my heart. And I read in Acts 2 where Peter preached his first sermon in verse 37. The Bible says that they were pierced to the heart, right? That the Holy Spirit of God was speaking to them. And that was the moment that I was in. And I fell on my face before a holy God and I cried out to Him. My life was transformed, changed in a moment. I don't know where everyone's heart is in the midst of this morning, but God knows your heart. And there's a call that we as followers of Jesus Christ, that we would first make sure that we are of the faith. Scripture says, examine yourselves as to whether you be in the faith. We are to examine ourselves in moments like this and say, what, has there ever been a time in my life where I've repented of my sins and where God has saved me and transformed me from the inside out. I have a relationship with him. I'm not asking you if you walked down an aisle, if you filled out a card, if you uh, repeated a prayer after somebody. I'm asking you, and, and maybe even the greater question is, where are you today? Are you in Christ? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you been transformed by his grace? We are secure in Christ if we have been saved. Authentic faith will persevere. I love what John Piper says about eternal security. He says eternal security is a community project. When a fish is caught, did the hook catch it or the bait or the line or the pole or the fisherman or the current in the sea that led the fish to the vicinity or the boss back home that told the man to go take the day off and go fishing? The answer is all of the above. We are all part of what God is doing, and he is doing it, and he allows us to be part of what he is doing. And so this morning, I ask you, if you are in Christ, and if you uh, don't know that you've been saved, you say, you know what, I'm not sure. I don't know that, that I've ever been, uh, that I've ever repented of my sin and been changed by his grace, then I want to invite you into relationship with Jesus. If God's speaking to your heart, uh, scripture says in Acts 2.37 that they were pierced to the heart. If that's you this morning, whether you're watching online, whether you're here gathered in a car or in uh, the seating area, wherever that is at, I want to invite you just to surrender your lives to Christ, just to, just to respond and receive his grace and forgiveness. Scripture says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we could be saved. In that same sermon that Peter preached, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you've never trusted Jesus, I want to invite you to call on his name this morning, to surrender in your posture is humility humbly before him. Lord, I surrender. I repent, God. I know that my sins have separated me from you. And I ask you to forgive me, Lord. I ask you to Cleanse me. Scripture says if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all 
unrighteousness and you receive him. Saved. We believe our role is simply to believe by faith in the finished work and what God has already done. And then if you are part of the family of God and you've been saved by his grace, then you are invited to be part of what God's doing in his reconciling work and in the work that he does among the people of God as we pursue the holiness of God. And it's tough work, but it's worth every bit of the effort. It's work that may save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. You know, I think about what my aunt, what might have happened if she had gone to the doctor early and if she had found out early and all the different dynamics that were there. But what would it be like for many who are on the edge of going the wrong direction, who are, who are straying and who still may look like Fluffy as he wandered from home just a little bit and he still may appear so much like the family of God, but the reality is that they've strayed and they're going down the wrong direction. What would it look like if the people of God uh, were as excited and uh, encouraged as we are for finding Fluffy where we posted, I mean, I'm not saying to post it all over Facebook, but like juniors wondered, Don't, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is we have more concern many times over uh, a little puppy that's wandered from home than over people who are in the body of Christ that are walking toward the edge of destruction whose families may be destroyed and there is a, a fallout right in the midst of any type of sin it affects not just the people that are involved but all those around and it's a community project the reality is that we are in this together what would it look like if the people of God fell on their face before God and were willing to get in the presence of God on behalf of their straight brother or the people that are there and then they're willing to be part of the act that's there that says, you know what, I love you. And in a spirit of humility and love and grace that they approach and walk with them. And the reality is that every person is not going to respond in the way that you may desire. Every person may not walk in that uh, direction, but the reality is that we have a responsibility as part of the family of God to care for one another, to reach and love one another, and to, to be part of the work God is doing. May we be found faithful. Verse 12 of chapter 1, he said, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. James has been clear through this letter. Temptation, trials, all those things will come our way. Crazy, various, diverse forms. But if we endure and persevere, we will receive the crown of life. I want to pray for us and we'll be. Father, we're... We pray, God, that even in these moments, Lord, that your spirit would speak to your people. Lord, that you might cause us to be stirred by those that may have strayed from this congregation, Lord, that may have strayed in our family, Lord, that may have wandered, Lord, and we all can be so prone to that, Lord. I pray, God, for believers, God, that are filled with your spirit, God, to be willing to be part of the answer to prayers, Lord, that they might lift up, God, loved ones and God, God, people that are part of the family of believers here, God, that they would be lifting them to you in prayer even in these moments, Lord, and they would be committed, Lord, to uh, be part of the answer, Lord, to be uh, people that are engaged in, God, just being loving, God, filled with grace and truth, but, Lord, part of the reconciling work that you're doing, God, part of the restorative work that you do. Lord, because it's only you that can restore. It's only you that can draw. It's only you, God, that can change hearts. But, Lord, we pray that you'll help us to be part of that. 
Lord, for any that don't know you here, Lord, God, I pray, Lord, that this moment, Lord, would be a moment where you would save them, Lord, where your uh, spirit would draw them, God, and that they might, uh, God, surrender their lives to you, God, that they might respond in faith and obedience, Lord, surrendering their lives to you, walking, being changed from the inside out, Lord, through the spirit of God, Lord, through, God, through the gift of your spirit as you work in and through our lives, Lord, to conform us to your image. Lord, we thank you for your great love for us. Lord, I pray for every student, Lord, every teacher, God, that, that's going back to school, that's already gone back. Lord, help us, God, to see wherever we're at, God, that those are mission fields, God, that those are places, Lord, that you've called us, God, to function, uh, Lord, as part of your family, Lord, to, uh, to spur one another along, Lord, to be, God, the hands and feet of Christ, Lord, in those places. Lord, we send out our teachers, our students, Lord, for God, on mission for the glory of your name. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Lord, we ask for your blessing, your strength. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.